You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 167, Jeffrey Tackland and the Winding Path of Transformation. Well, hey, my friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I, of course, am your host, Eric Nevins, and I'm so grateful that you are here. Yeah, grateful. It's Thanksgiving week in the United States. Uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out uh, in 2019, this is the week of Thanksgiving. And this, I couldn't imagine a better episode. I really connected with our guest this time. Before I tell you about him, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, some of the other things that we offer. So if you haven't yet jumped on the mailing list, just go to halfwaytherepodcast.com um, or cl- or just go to my website, ericnevins.com. And right on the front page there, you can join our mailing list. When you do, I have a little download for you that's free. It's called What to Do When You're Mad at God, which maybe that's the opposite of feeling thankful. Uh, but here's the thing. Some of us feel that way, right? You're going to be getting together with family. You're going to be hanging out with people that may or may not um, make you feel thankful all the time. And you might be a little bit upset. Um, you know, if that's you, well, just know there's a biblical way to handle uh, your anger and to take that to God. Habakkuk gives us that instruction in his own example. And I wrote a little bit about it called what in a little book called what to do when you're mad at God. I'll send that to you if you join the email list. So thank you for uh, doing that. I would love to have you on there uh, on board for the journey. I've got some cool things coming up in the new year. I think you want to be part of. Uh, Okay. So our guest today is Jeff Tacklin. Jeff is a pastor. He's an author. He's a fellow in Neogram 4. So you know that we, we got together. This is a really fun conversation and I just enjoyed and resonated with Jeff's story so much of trying to maintain humility and, and pursue glory as the person that God has made you to be. That really just sticks out to me. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Jeff Tacklin, and happy Thanksgiving, my friends. Well, Jeff, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, great. Well, why don't you just start off and tell us a little bit about where you are and where God has you now. And then I mentioned that you're an author. We're going to talk about your book, which I told you kind of caught my eye because of the title. We'll, we'll talk about that. But tell us a little bit about uh, you. Nice. Um, well, I'm a pastor in Laguna Beach, California, and I've um, been at the church I'm at now for 18 years in a variety of different roles. I came here as a youth pastor and, um, and then just sort of changed hats a few times as I've been here. And uh, I came thinking I'd be here a couple of years and have ended up raising my family here. I've got three kids and um, have just fallen in love with the town and the community. It's, I don't know if you've been to Laguna, it's a wonderful place. Um, kind of an artsy community and quirky and our church sort of fits that mold a little bit, but um, it's been a really fun place to be a pastor. I've enjoyed it. 
Very cool. Yeah, you know what? I have not spent nearly enough time in California. So to me, and was it like Church by the Sea or something? Is that the name? Yeah, like that sounds exotic as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm from Iowa, man. You know, and funny story about that, like the name of that, we actually inherited from the church that we bought the building from. And it just said that on the side of the church. Oh, wow. Calvary Church at one point, and then everybody just referred to us as the little church by the sea, which is who we are. So, yeah, oh, that's funny. Very good. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so that sounds exotic to some of us, but I'm in the Rocky Mountains now, so I can't really complain. <laughs> We've got good, lots of good stuff. Another kind of exotic. Anyway, well, that's cool. So, all right, so you're a pastor, and, and we mentioned you're an author. We'll talk about the book, but the book's called The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding yourself between glory and humility, and I love that you've got this little uh, what do you call those di- a little diagram, right? With glory going one way, humility going the other way, and we're trying to grow kind of in between. So we'll talk about that idea um, as we get going. But so, did you grow up in California? Yeah, always. Um, and I grew up in Orange County, and then spent like my middle, like teenage years, um, up in the local mountains up here. So I have that in. You know, you talk about Rocky Mountains. I got some of that in my blood too. I was a mountain kid growing nice. up and uh, loved that. And now the beach, but yeah, always California. Very cool. Um, yeah, interesting. I should have known that by the fact that you have a surfboard in in the background there. It looks like a surfboard. I don't know what it is, but it is a surfboard. Yeah, you uh, one that somebody just got for me the other day. That's cool. That's very California. All right. Very cool. So that's neat. So you grew up there. Did you grow up in the church or what was your family dynamic like when you're growing up? Yeah. So always I, you know, I have that story of uh, accepting Christ when I was four years old with my dad, like on a little hike out in the woods. So um, yeah, appropriate. I think that it began outdoors, but always grew up with that. That's certainly part of my story growing up is kind of all those transitions through my adolescence and post adolescence and all of that. My faith was a significant part of that, although it changed quite a bit. It's a huge part of my journey. Yeah. Which is always interesting, right? That's, that's kind of, we, we sometimes have this, at least I did have this perception that, you know, we should just be static, right? The faith is our faith should be static, but if that's true, then that means we're not growing. (laughs) Right. Yes. And that was, I think that was for me, that kind of was the culture that I grew up in was that um, kind of an expectation that we had arrived right at the very beginning. And, um, and from now on, we just try to get people to join us where we're at and then finding how my experience was vastly different than that. And the questions, I was just this kid growing up, always asking questions and I could tell would kind of make everybody uncomfortable. Like I was asking the question we had agreed not to ask. Right. And, but know, you don't remember, right? I don't remember when we agreed to that. What? Right. I didn't, I don't, I didn't agree to that, but yeah, exactly. But you could see that sort of look of like, Oh no, no, no. Right. <laughs> and I was always that one, like, wait, wait, why aren't we asking this? So that too became part of my journey is um, I think there was even some feelings of, guilt and shame that came with curiosity and having to get over that as part of my own. Oh, project. that's really interesting. Okay. Is there like a story maybe of an early time or an early question that you asked where you started, where the response made you go, Oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of that is just, it would be subtle perceptions, but um, you know, I, I tell a story in my book about growing up, 
as a fan of you two, which, you know, nowadays kind of there's millions of us out there. <laughs> right. They had written this song called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And feeling so distressed by that as a kid because I thought, gosh, that just went so contrary to everything that I had believed and yet kind of also put its finger right on some emotions of my own that were raw and, and finding myself in my journey really ministered to deeply at times by that song, which at one point felt so taboo. <laughs> right. So it's interesting to see kind of those threads in my own journey, um, coming back to some of those places and finding myself so changed and so different. Oh man. I totally resonate with that. Cause I remember having that same feeling the first time I heard that song, like, what, what do you mean? Don't you have, you should have Jesus. That's what, you know, whatever. And then now being in my early forties, I go, Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, yeah. I, going, right? I get it. There? I love that title. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So, um, so growing up in a Christian family, kind of asking the questions that you're not supposed to ask, where did that lead you? Or I'm, I'm curious about how, so you grew you said you came to Christ as a, as a young child. When did it become yours? Cause there's usually a moment like that. Like when you kind of decide that, okay, this is where I'm going a little yeah. later. Yeah. You know, I, and I think what's interesting, I don't know if this is exactly right, but I think about the changes that I've gone through and I think looking back, um, it just kept getting bigger and bigger, even though maybe at times it felt like I was losing something. I realized looking back, I haven't lost a lot of those things. It's just, it was, it was larger than I had imagined. Um, I remember out of high school, going into college and uh, joining Campus Crusade and sharing my faith one time, we, which is what we do. We'd go around with this little track and, you know, start conversations. And I remember talking to a girl who looked at me and when I had gotten to that point of like, which, you know, which circle do you want to represent your life? And she looked at me and goes, do you have any idea what you're asking of me? Wow. I remember thinking all of a sudden, like, I don't know if I do. And I mean, it, up until that point, it had seemed also straightforward and clear. And then all of a sudden I could look at her and see, oh, she has almost more of an awareness of the cost of all this than I do. And how moments like that felt at the time really destabilizing when in fact things just needed to grow and expand. It's not that I left that story behind as much as the story got bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? That's such a fascinating question. I, I know as a, a kid who grew up in church too, that's, there were moments like that for me where I went, Oh, I don't really get the, the cost, if you will. Right. The other people, you know, do that. Uh, that is that what an, what a great question. Yeah, right. Well, it was and it was said without defensiveness. It was um she really was asking me that and ended up being really powerful for me. I mean, I look back on that and I'm so grateful for that moment. Because, uh, how did it change you? Well, I think that when you have the answer, it, it you tend to get caught up in the conversation itself and lose sight of the other person that you're speaking to and the depth of their story and the significance of their heart and their journey. And I think that's really what it stretched in my mind that there was a, a sort of way of looking at others without, well, seeing what God sees without seeing the value of this soul in and of itself without my own little 
conversion process and need and, you know, and all that that was going on within me internally. And, um, and so I think in the end, if we think about this life as kind of like a, a school, God's school of love, learning to see the other was a huge mm-hmm. part of my journey and not just the, which circle are you in or are you out <laughs> and uh, right. see the heart. So I think that's kind of what all of a sudden emerged out of that and was really important. I think that's still emerging in a lot of ways. Yeah. I love that. Say that again. The, the, if life, the journey is God's school of love. Yeah, I'm borrowing that. I think for that's maybe Richard Rohr, but um, uh, he gets enough credit. We'll just take it. It's yeah, fine. I'll take that. I think Jeff Jackson, <laughs> you know, but but that idea, you know, to to think about what is what has God up to, um, really comes down to enlarging our hearts, giving us the capacity to love others, and that's what transformation looks like. That's what maturity looks like. Mm. That's the goal, right? So. Um, when all of this, if spiritual transformation becomes just some way of serving myself, I, I really don't know how much good that's doing, right? It's yeah. always for the sake of others. Yeah, well, they're in tandem. I don't know that they're like, they're not opposed. They're just, they're together. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. Right. So, okay, take us on that journey then for for you, where you went from from there. So a moment like that where somebody sort of challenges you and you go, oh, uh, and then how did you how did you grow and change from there well you know i think that that probably went simultaneous with my own i mean people talk about like a a deconstruction of your faith or that kind of thing I, and i i think maybe it was some of that as but but more the like you said making it my own is a good way of looking at it it's a, a sort of personalizing that that i had grown up with kind of a sort of fill in the blanks theology um, where it became about kind of having the right answers to all the important questions. And, uh, you know, I, I went into ministry after that, but I think in a lot of ways too, I had, I was trying to be my dad, which Mm. is, I mean that as a compliment to him, but he was an engineer. So I was having to do some of my own navigating of what life looked like. I went into ministry after that, um, and in kind of finding my own way through that, wrestling with my own questions, um, there was a, a depth that emerged during that time, but also I think a lack of certainty that crept in that I didn't quite know what to do with and became an important part um, of my own process there. I think certainty, having no doubts, having this all figured out, um, all of a sudden I realized I didn't and I don't know if I ever was going to, that it was a walk of faith and not that I didn't have confidence anymore, but there was a, a giving up of certainty that occurred during that time. Yeah. Okay. Well, take us into that. Cause like, I want to hear a story. Do you have a story of when, uh, or, or if you can remember one where this maybe encapsulates what that season was like for you? Well, some of it was seminary. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> seminary is such an interesting time. So for those of you who haven't been there, uh-huh. uh, you know, they don't, they sometimes joke and call it cemetery. Right. But uh-huh. it's, it's an interesting cause you're exposed to so many ideas, right. Yeah. And you're thinking through scripture and sometimes very deeply and sometimes not very deeply, which is an, an interesting juxtaposition. And so you kind of have to, 
it can it can mess with your mind. Anyway, go ahead. Tell tell us what that was for like for you. Well, I just remember being in a class one time where we were talking. It was a so I studied in um, in seminary. I studied philosophy, and the the topic of this class was philosophy of language. But we were reading all these books um, to to debunk them, um, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Reading them like to point out what was wrong. And some of these books, Alistair McIntyre was one of them. And I was reading through this book going, oh, this is really resonating with me and found myself <laughs> sort of this lone voice in the class. And, um, and I could see just once again, kind of the look of worry, even in the professor. And I, he and I had a great relationship. And yet at the same time, I could tell I wasn't going where he had desired for me to go. And, um, and even in that process, I think, there's a feeling of loneliness that crept into that. I think that became a, a huge part of my journey, but I think I still continue to wrestle with at times is this feeling of being by myself in those questions and in that curiosity and that journey. I'm sitting there alone in this classroom, realizing everybody else is buying into something that I'm not, which creates all kinds of insecurity. And yet in the end, really, I think propelled me forward into the, a lot of the things I'm wrestling with in the book that I wrote mm. that class. Yeah. Interesting. What was the book that you were reading? Um, it was called after virtue by Alistair McIntyre. Oh, wow. And, um, which is great. It's a little, you know, it's philosophy, but he writes in a pretty accessible way, but, but I think what he pointed to, and I don't know how interesting this is to your listeners, but it, kind of the the necessity of subjectivity, how each one of us has our own journey and our own experience. And I think yeah. subjectivity was this thing that we were trying to eliminate, right? How do we get to the objective, uh, inarguable truth and instead seeing the power and importance of subjectivity, that that actually adds a whole level of strength and depth to our beliefs and isn't something to be feared. But, you know, so I came out of it impassioned, but I think at the time I was viewed as suspect. <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? I, that's interesting. Cause one of the things I've found with halfway there is that I've really come to value experience, right? For, so that's why I talk about it's today's, you know, Christian experience. Cause I want to document what people are going through. And so sometimes we talk to people in the South and sometimes we talk to people in the Northwest and sometimes, you know, like, and they have very different experiences um, in the Bible belt versus, you know, New England or something. Yeah. Um, different cultures. Totally, totally different places or around the world. I've talked to people from New Zealand and other places, but, um, but that, but that actually is valuable, right? Because I can learn something from their experience that I don't have to have myself. Um, but there is a subjectivity to that and it's okay. And the reality is like, it's there regardless of whether we think it is or not. So we can say that we have perfect truth or whatever. You don't because you're a human being. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And you, you find yourself anytime anybody claims to your, your trust level goes down. Totally. The, that are able to kind of hold it open handed with some you know, little humility. That right. Drop. Well, right. What that means is they don't have the self-awareness to know <laughs> that they're human. <laughs> That's a problem. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that seminary can be a time when you're, when you're sort of wrestling with that sort of, and I, so we talked about the critical journey earlier, which is a book I, I love. And there's sort of that, they have a couple stages there in what I call the sort of learning Jesus, the stage of learning Jesus, where you're kind of learning his ways and his, and the Bible and the theology and all of that stuff. 
Right. And so going through that, um, it can feel a little bit like, oh, I've got the, I've got it right. Or I'm like, I've, I'm learning all this stuff and that feels very important and very deep. And it is, it's really good, but it's not like totally right. Like you just, but still early on a hundred percent. It's so important, but it's early in the journey. And so, um, I'd be, I'm curious about your opinion as a pastor, because I'm convinced most churches, what most churches offer only will take people that far in the journey because right. they, they're giving you stuff, you know, Sunday morning is a information download. There's a lot of, you know, stuff that's very, uh, all the programs are discipleship as just a book or something that is teaching you something. And so there's, there's very little to take you beyond that. Um, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, there's a, there's a model have you seen like the baseball diamond for spiritual growth? Like, and it, it kind of, it's interesting. Yeah. It basically encompasses like the first half of the critical journey or whatever, but basically you get to home plate and you're done. And the critical journey goes, Oh no, no, this is like right before the wall. This is right? beginning. Yeah. You're, you've just started. <laughs> when everything falls apart. Right. And you, the, the thing is what a temptation it is, especially within the church when people hit that place of going through the wall or whatever that desolation that comes is we're going to say, no, 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 just keep going back to what you were doing before. You just need more of it. Right. Right. That becomes our solution. And that when people step into that, it's almost a sense of they're, they're leaving they're They're walking away when we should be accompanying and cheering them on and casting vision for what's to come. Right. You would go, we should go, Hey, you're right on pace. This is where you're going and God bless you. We're with you. And instead what we tend to do is kind of shame people for going there. Totally. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. But it was not cool. So, uh, and that's part of what I love to, I love to talk about. So tell me more about your story. So you're in seminary and you're kind of having these experiences. You're already feeling a little bit like maybe I'm, I'm already kind of on the edge here, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I ended up, I ended up, and this would fit with what we're talking about. I read something and I forget who it was by, but it was kind of a evaluation of different ministry styles and saying that the church had been functioning with this kind of wizard of Oz mentality. Like um, basically church was like the wizard where it was big and impressive and booming voice, except that the curtain had gotten drawn back. And now there's this little man back there. And this person was writing saying, I think we need more pastors like Dorothy that just goes, I have as much need as the rest of you, but, um, but let's go there together. Let me rally us to go there together. And I remember coming out of there thinking still very passionate about the church, um, feeling like I was being led somewhere and then looking at that model and thinking, I think I can do that. So whether or not that's an accepted model of ministry, it became for me, that's, I think, where my vision came from for doing that. Like, I just thought, well, I'll just be Dorothy. And um, so that leaving seminary and going into ministry, but also at a church that really valued diversity. Mm. And um, which I, I maybe is a little easier in Laguna Beach to do kind of some of that, where you've got a pretty eclectic group of people that are, are together and a bunch of artists. And um, But coming to a church where that experience people it was different cultures combined and there was really a value of difference and so that was really really helpful for me in my own journey oh really interesting because that's pretty unusual right most places they value homogeny 
Right. Exactly. And call it unity. Right? <laughs> like, oh, we get along so well. And you're like, yeah, because we're all the same. And and I had come from a church, a good church, but it was like um, big church. And I I think at that time, I felt that like uh, the need to be impressive or um, and so we switched churches about that time and came to this church and it's little. And what was cool for me, we walked, I was actually about ready to take a job at another large church. We walked into this little church and went, Oh man, my wife and I, we were like, we need this. We need community. We need to know the people that we're ministering alongside of. And um, so that was part of the switch too, was coming into a place of diversity, but also a place of real community. And we never left. We're still there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What What did you need about that? Like, where? So, like, why did you? Why did that resonate with you so deeply? Hmm. Well, I think that in our journey, um, authenticity, integrity—those are like big components of all this. I I think that like when you think of a, a spiritual journey that like just deals, let's say with the first half, right? Um, kind of having it all together. There's something about that that ends up being so put on and so outward. And and oftentimes what that does to the heart, the heart can kind of shrivel when you're leading from a place of having to posture and, and act a certain way. And I think there's something freeing about community that allows you to be known it allows you to be able to lead even when you're feeling broken, even when you're going through a season that might be difficult to be able to just come and bring your heart. Um, it's easier to do that. I think in a smaller group than in a larger group, that's just some of that's the dynamics. But, um, but I think I was hungry for that and have just continued to really have a value of that. I'm a, I'm a pretty introverted guy too, when it comes down to it, kind of a bookish guy. And um, so I think there's something about the size of a small church too, that, that fits a little bit more relationally for me there too. But. It fits you. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, have you, so let's go into sort of moving into those other stages, right? So I'm guessing that you must've gone through some sort of um, dark night of the soul or hitting the wall. Like they talk about in critical journey. What, yeah. tell us about that. Well, I think a lot of that had to do even with um, part of my journey has been really wrestling with some deep insecurity. I think that that coming out of some of that journey, you can see kind of with the stories told already, this, this sense like something was wrong with me. I think that I've always kind of held on to that. And when I was all of a sudden at my church, I was co-lead pastor with the pastor that had hired me to be the youth pastor a number of years before. And he told me that he was moving on and he had been offered a job and a great opportunity and it was the right time. But I was terrified, feeling not ready, feeling like I couldn't step into this, not feeling like I had enough (laughs) as a leader, um, enough in my heart for this. And, um, and feeling overwhelmed. This is where I really started going into, uh, I started seeing a spiritual director about that time and became aware of what the deep work that God was doing in my own heart, um, that this was a necessary part of my journey. And some of the the places that it forced me to go into um, 
were places that I'd prefer not to. They're kind of the, the things that remain in the shadows. Yeah. And finding in those places, moving into those places of real vulnerability. And some of those things were even sort of superficial things like jealousy and that kind of insecurity. Um, finding God in those places and having God speak real gently to some of those deep longings that were there. So in a way that's a, a I don't know if dark night may feel um, like not quite the right term, mm. but for sure desolation. I, and, and feeling with that so inadequate and, um, and also kind of lost. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Right. And they're kind of, they can be a different levels or, you know, feel felt more deeply sometimes. So right. how, tell us a story about how God spoke to you in one of those, like when, when was the time that God kind of, whether it doesn't matter what it was about or whatever, but tell us kind of how you did that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I think some of it in all of this is, is God speaking to me about who I am and these like longings to, to, you know, as I talk about kind of glory and humility, these two mm-hmm. things were coexisting. You know, one of the stories that I tell about in there is that, um, I had written a dissertation. I had done my doctorate and um, a friend of mine who was a writer had quoted it and it showed up in Sojourners. And I didn't know that she was doing that. And all of a sudden I was getting these emails in my inbox from a bunch of friends going like, Hey, way to go. Just read this article. Congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was sitting there in this kind of euphoric, like, Oh, this is so wonderful. I'd never like experienced this kind of attention. And, um, and then getting an email in my inbox following the sequence of congratulations that was this basically I had applied at my seminary where I had kind of left, you know, these insecure moments to this and had applied for this pastor in residence for something that they were doing that I was so perfect for and got this just terse form letter, like, no, thanks. Better luck next time. And as small as that sounds, I remember thinking, I just was like, had like gotten inflated so quickly and then just knocked to my feet. And I remember kind of walking out of here feeling so discouraged and so sad by this and walking down to the coffee shop near me and I was writing in my journal going, Oh God, I, why do I struggle so much with these two things? This like longing for glory and yet this underlying vanity and insecurity and need. And this guy comes up to me and, um, and he goes, hey, are you the pastor at that little church up there? And I looked up and I didn't recognize him, but I was like, yeah, no, I haven't. He said, I'm not a Christian, but um, when I come to your church, I feel really moved by what you share. And I'd love to get a cup of coffee with you. And so we exchanged contact information and he walked off. And I remember God just going, Jeff, just do that. Just do that. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, <laughs> thinking about, you know, all these undercurrents and things going on and the way that I can make things so convoluted at times and this sort of beautiful simplicity, but God seeing me right where I was, seeing through all <laughs> the cloud of confusion and just speaking right simply to my heart. And so I just noticed that about God as like yeah. my companion in these places that He's always casting vision, but at the same time, there's a, a gentle sort of rebuke to my own ego that flares up. And anyway, it's just been again and again, 
I, I recognize that in his voice. Yeah, that is a beautiful story. I love that. Because I think God does that. We we sometimes think that he wants, you know, he wants us to be the world beaters and we're gonna go out there and we're gonna we're gonna change everything. And no, he's like, yeah. no, just do just love that guy. That's fine. Yeah. That's all I need. That simple, right? And you go, <laughs> oh, I can do that. Right. And deep down, really that's who I want, that's what I want to do. That my heart like lights up at that too. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's good. I'm so curious. What are you on the Enneagram? Do you know? Four. Four. four I thought so. Five, four with a five wing. All right. Uh, so I was reading the the parts that I was able to read. I was like, I just totally resonate with this guy. So that's. <laughs> I was really. I was like, this is totally what I am like. And so I could I could hear some of that. And I was wondering. Is that you too? To- you yes. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then I think that something's wrong with me. I'm missing something that everybody else has. It's like right. a clap for that, yeah. that insatiable need to be unique while still being included. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, that, that need to be, you know, like notice me, but don't notice me. Yeah. And, uh, what, a, what a strange, it, it's been really freeing for me to discover that that's actually just a personality thing and not like that there's actually something wrong with me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And all of us feel that way to some extent. I mean, right. I think it becomes some of the four superpowers to be able to put words to that where everybody goes like, oh, no, I get that. But for us, it is like an identity piece, unfortunately. It, it's existential, right? <laughs> exactly. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, very cool. That's that's good. That I was wondering because I thought I felt that kind of just connection. That's awesome. Um, so cool. Well, so so you go through that season, and you feel like God is just asking you to just really be you, just be there. How did you begin to step into that more? Yeah, well, you know, I think I think spiritual formation for me um, was hugely eye opening because I experienced so much freedom in it, and you know, gaining sort of a, an appetite for truth, even if it made me squirm a bit, knowing that on the other end, it was so worth it. You know, I, I give an example that's really just more of a, a metaphor for this, but I, I talk in the book about a, a surf trip that I was on where I was surfing these, we had gone down to Mexico and hit it just in time for this huge swell that came in. And um, how that first day, I caught one of the biggest waves I'd ever surfed and was riding this thing and it was just huge and massive. And I just felt like I barely made it out of it. And then found out that night somebody came in and said, Oh, there, there was footage. They filmed us today. And, um, and, and so all of a sudden there it is, we're watching the whole day and somebody shouts out from the back, Hey, there's the pastor, which, you know, I was, <laughs> that, was, that was me. Right. And there I was, and I'm looking at myself and going, Oh, not nearly as impressive as how it felt. <laughs> and I had this image of it, right? And then all of a sudden there, it's it's not that big. And I'm like playing it really safe. And, you know, and, and thinking about how that created in me as it made me sweat a little bit watching that and going like, oh man, but thinking, oh, I want to do better. And how formation for me in a lot of ways was like that, getting a really honest look at myself at times going like, oh my gosh, this is stuff about myself that I would, I don't want to admit this. I don't want to say it out loud because all of a sudden it, then it's true. And yet going, that's the work. 
that's where the real good stuff happens. And being able to walk into those places and to see it, it loses some of its power. But also it's where, like, I think God can bring so much freedom by helping us really look honestly at ourselves and to know that we're loved right there in that place. Oh my gosh, that's what I long for. Not all this story that I'm constantly telling myself of how great I am. And, you know, all that stuff is just, it's so fake. It's just veneer. And um, so I think for me, my journey in walking through that has been vision that's come through just seeing small steps, this slow process of working that God has been doing and just going, oh, I want more. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what are some things that you that God's had to draw out of you? And like, do you have, do you have any specific examples of how he's, how he's done that? Well, I think, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I think that it's, some of it is just realizing the, um, how helpful this process has been to others when I've been able to share it. Um, just even my own steps, my own vulnerable journey that um, I think maybe at times I thought that was so specific that, well, you know, like what good is it to just share Jeff's story and yet finding, you know, I say in the preface to this, there's a, uh, a statement that what is most personal ends up being the most universal. And I'm realizing that, that as I model some of this stuff for others, uh, the journey that it actually unlocks things for people. I, I've noticed this even, you know, I, one of the things I do now is a training for spiritual directors mm. and we will often on the front end do a kind of a mock direction session. And it would be easy to just sort of pick something easy to, to kind of walk through. And I realized I never, never serves people well for me to do that. For me to like deep dive into my own junk in front of everybody else, all of a sudden it changes the whole dynamic in the room because everybody goes, oh, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So, you know, as we talk about this casting vision for formation and transformation, I think some of the best things we can do is walk into our own process and what God's doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's funny how that, that just sort of radical vulnerability about where we are is, uh, just changes so much and, and frees other people to just go, Oh yeah, well I'm there too. And I don't have to go first. Right. <laughs> right. And, and people even going like, Oh, that's what we're here to do. You know, I think sometimes we just, we don't even cast any sort of vision for this kind of work. And so we're all just sort of living with this stuff yeah. instead of realizing, Oh, this is, we can bring this to God and God wants to, to speak to us right here in the midst of these weeds. I think that's the trees of Avalon talks about that, that we need to sit in our weeds with God. And, uh, and so often we're like mowing those weeds acting like they're not there and instead of just being with God in that place. I love that. We're mowing the weeds. Yeah. We're, we're cutting them down, but they just go right back. Right back. Right. Sure enough. Oh, it sounds like my backyard. Okay. I, I read that you were a spiritual director. How did you, how did you find that? And, and what did that process of becoming a spiritual director do for you? Yeah. Well, I think for me, um, you know, I have had this part of my own journey. I worked at a camp and somebody introduced me to Henry Nowen. And like literally introduced you or introduced you to the book? 
the book. Okay. And okay, and this will tell you something about my journey. I remember thinking, wow, a Catholic. Um, <laughs> right. And so for me, there was like through somebody like Nowen and eventually Thomas Merton, um, introduction to a whole contemplative side of my journey that I was starving for. And, um, and with that kind of a, an acquaintance with a little Abbey that I would go to with a friend of mine, uh, just to do times of silence. And we'd go do a quiet weekend or a couple days out there. And it was through talking with some people there that I even found out about direction. Um, so I, I think kind of as an evangelical pastor, those things, that stream, I kind of grew up unaware of, or even if anything, maybe a little suspicious of, only to find out how in my own soul, there was a deep longing and need for that. And so I think it was through some of those acquaintances that I, that I came across that I had gone and seen a therapist, which was helpful, but I knew I needed something a little bit different. And so to find kind of a, a companion for me, somebody that like would just journey with me um, was vital. And then <laughs> to be honest, what I found is like, she, I would just, when I was doing pastoral counseling, I would just kind of copy what she was doing because I thought people don't need my advice right now. They need good questions back. To yes. So, <laughs> so good. Because, you know, like, I got to figure out how to do this. And so I went through a training. For gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I found that too when I when I discovered that just asking questions was my superpower. I was like, oh, that I can do. I can't preach very well, but I can do that. Oh my goodness. Like to, to ask the right question unlocks things for people. And often we get stuck where it's that question that's just like outside of our line of sight that somebody else is able to go, oh, what about this? And you go, oh, that's it. So yeah, it's really, really powerful. Yeah. Amen. I love that. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the Catholics, right? Like the um, for, same thing for me. Like I had, so there's a little Jesuit retreat house here called Sacred Heart that I love to go to. And that's how I discovered like Lectio and yeah. some of those other practices uh, you just don't get as an evangelical. You have to, yeah, you have to kind of go outside and it's okay. Well, and I think some of that's changing. You yeah, know, I'd like to think that also there's more of an embracing of some of these things. I think I grew up thinking mystery was just taboo. And now like that idea of wonder and mystery, gosh, that's what drives me is God is constantly saying to me, there's more, there's more. Um, and I think contemplation, that's one of the ways we experience the more of how God is showing us who he is. And I love that now. Yeah. Amen. All right. So, you end up writing this book, The Winding Path of Transformation. Now, writing a book is hard. So why? what kind of drove you to, to write this? Well, I have a good friend who she's always kind of said, come on, Jeff. Um, and she ended up helping me uh, with a proposal. So that was kind of pushed me. I'm like one of these fly underneath the radar kind of guys where I prefer that. But um but I, I remember also I was speaking at a camp one time and somebody saying to me, Jeff, um, God's giving you something for the church, not just your church. Mm. And I, I thought, oh, that, <laughs> that's convicting. I, I love to write. I've always been a journaler. I started doing a blog and, um, and I thought, well, I'm just going to stick it out there and, and see if somebody bites. So, um, 
so I thought it, part, of, if I'm totally honest, part of me was hoping that I'd throw this proposal out there and nobody would take it and I'd be <laughs> off the hook. You'd be done. Hey, I tried. <laughs> exactly. Like, Hey, you can't blame me. Um, and, and instead that, that wasn't the case. And, um, and then I had to write it and it, that in and of itself, the, the book was different than I kind of started out to write. In fact, there's some chapters in there. There's one chapter in there. I think it's chapter five where I'm talking about insecurity as like my wife is growing in her career and I feel this jealousy and I, oh my gosh, I, I want to delete that chapter because it, I wrote that because I was like right in the middle of it and I needed to write other chapters, but I couldn't get that out of my way. And so I just wrote it and then went, oh gosh, I think that's the book. Like, I think <laughs> that's where I'm going. And, and to see, you know, God in that going like, yeah, this is, this is what I want you to do. So that became the process. And so some of that was hard to write, but I did a lot of transformation in the writing itself. Yeah, absolutely. I read that and I thought that was so, such an interesting, um, you know, thing, cause that happens to all of us, right? That happens when you see other people growing and you're like, oh, and, and you want, and so that's where some of that foreness came out, right? Like I was like, oh, I can see that, uh, want to be recognized too. And, um, but that's how God brings it out of us, right? We have to go through those kind of difficult times, yes. let the dross kind of rise to the top and then, then let them take it out. Yeah. No, that's right. And again, like some of that freedom, when just in naming something and calling it out, bringing it out into the light, all of a sudden you realize, oh, this is small. But, but until then it seemed huge. Right. right? had a hold of you and then you're going like, I don't know. That's all that is. And that's so. okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I promise that we'd talk about the glory versus humility thing. Cause I think that is super fascinating. So tell us, give us a little bit of that, that idea. Well, I think that to me helped me kind of make sense out of just about every season that I was going through is that, that those are two things where God is always at work. And I think that my own way of managing those two, I felt in myself, maybe this is kind of the four thing too. Like I long for glory and yet want to be humble. And how do I sort of compromise the two to maintain this kind of in-between mediocrity and to see how instead I feel like God is saying, no, I'm asking for both of these things. Um, I'm asking for complete humility and I'm asking for you the courage to just step into this journey that's glorious and um and realizing that that god does have his own metric when it comes to glory that my story of glory i probably weigh a little bit different than god does um part of that is is the process as well but how this dying to self the ego having to to kind of slip away and yet to step in to things that feel too big for me um both of these things are often happening sometimes in the same day and and yet they're not counter in fact that these two complement each other beautifully and and sometimes there are seasons where it feels a little bit more wintry a little more desolation and how that's drawing out of me this humility and yet god is so quick to then push me into something bigger than myself and go like come on jeff this this idea i love jeremiah where he God says to him, you know, if you're stumbling against men, how are you going to race against horses? And I always picture Jeremiah responding, going, who said anything about horses, right? <laughs> right. God going like, no, 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 you're faster than you think. And 
how these two things God is after with with all of us and um, wanting more and then at the same time asking for less. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I think God, he does call us to our highest potential because that's what he made us for, right? Yeah. And at the same time, he calls us to do it in a humility and submission to him. Yes. Yeah. There's there's a line in screw tape letters where it says something about like an architect looking at a beautiful building and celebrating it, whether or not he designed it or somebody else did, right? Like if you could, that sort of appreciation for glory, if we could have that sort of posture of humility with it, I think God would entrust us with more. I think so often God, God limits glory from us just because of our own need to possess it and to hold on to it and distort it. You know, so you see God right. having to kind of help manage that with us, almost like a parent with a child, but wanting more for us, definitely wanting more. Right. And we define ourselves by it instead of letting, letting ourselves be defined by him and then just enjoying it. Exactly. No, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. We turn our resumes become who we are. We pride ourselves on what we've done or what others think of us. And frankly, God's not interested in any of that. Really. Those metrics are boring to him, but uh, the percentage of like serving him with our whole heart. I think that is what means the most to God. It's like a heart that is his, a heart that that's a heart that is free. And that's a little bit of a counterintuitive as well. But um, to give up, the, to lose all of that is to gain it, right? I mean, that's just one of the great paradoxes of Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, well I think that's a, it's a really beautiful uh, piece. And so you unpack that kind of throughout the book um, as, as people go through. So, guys, again, the book is called The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility. Uh, you can find it at Amazon. I've got links at halfwaytherepodcast.com on the show notes page uh, as well, where you can find uh, Jeff's website and uh, links to the book and all the other cool books that we talked about. There, We, we mentioned a lot of them this time. Uh, so they're all in there. Jeff, anything you want to leave us with? Well, I am just so pleased what you're doing here. And I, I think that idea of when people find themselves with the questions or they find themselves longing for more when they find themselves asking those questions. I, I mean, I just want to say, keep going. There's more, keep going. And, um, and that we need to be, we need to be casting vision. I think God is not intimidated to those questions, but it's beckoning us further in. And so, um, yeah, take heart. Amen. The journey is longer, deeper and wider than you've been told. Just keep, stay on the path. Uh, Jeff, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. You bet. This was a joy. Thanks so much. Well, that's it. Guys, I just want to remind you once again that you can jump on the mailing list. Just go to ericnevins.com right on the front page. You can hit put in your name and email, and I'd love to get you get connected with you that way. So I can just let you know about when new episodes come out and other things that, that we're doing. So, hey, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and keep the faith.